John, will you start us off? Oh, am I am, am I starting with us what? off? Start off with what? Am I welcoming wait, everyone? Wait, why is John yeah. kicking it off? Yeah, why, why not you? Why? I don't know. It seems fun. You always do. I can do it. I can do it. Wait, but, but Troy always does it. <laughs> Troy always does. It. <laughs> yeah, but that'd be fun to switch it up. Welcome back to the Cinematographer Logically Speaking podcast. Uh, this week we are talking about Vertigo by Alfred Hitchcock. What year? I don't know. Oh don't know my gosh. Uh, wow. His 1958 American film noir psychological thriller. This is all this is all a ploy by Troy. This he is all a ploy. To... Yeah, he just wanted by to make Troy. me like, No, dumb I thought he was going to say the year. I always say the year. Up. Anyway, you wanted, this is you wanted obviously John to fuck up so you could destroy him. Obviously, <laughs> this is Hitchcock's best film. Obviously, his most personal and autobiographical. And obviously, what? obviously, this podcast is going to not go well because uh, we're stupid. Troy's corrupt. Because Troy's corrupt. Because I'm corrupt. And read essays. I did read essays. It's because I'm man enough to handle it. I can do it. Essays. That's weird. Name me three we things. Gonna... Name you three things: cars, balloons, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, keep keep going. I don't know what else to say. That's oh. it. I mean, like, you know, get into opening thoughts. Right? Joining us are uh, joining us is uh, oh, John. Okay, joining, yeah. John, <laughs> me, Stephen, Stephen, uh, Troy, Troy, and Brody. We're and not Bibi. joined today by special guest Tony or oh, Jacob yeah. or. <laughs> Um, or Tanner's Joel's not, not here, here today. Oh, yeah, wait, where's Joel? I mean, he never said, he never confirmed he was available. Yeah, that's, no that's why I asked if this was it. And oh, then I, got made fun I of. forgot, but where, that's so sad, what the heck? Well, that sucks. All right, I'm sure he saw the messages. Yeah, yeah, we'll, I'm, we'll, we'll get him next time. All right, we'll get him next time. All right, opening thoughts. Mm-hmm. This movie, uh, I'm not gonna. You go. No, your first. You're coming. Your you're coming after me today, Stephen. I feel your first. You're your really first on me today, Troy. It's you always you go first, about? and you're in. All right, I get. I get. I'm first in line, but I, I, I'm getting. Anyway, Vertigo obviously rocks. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vertigo obviously rocks. Uh. I really like it, but it has this um, this sort of aesthetic of some sort. I don't know. I'm kind of confused about it, um, and I want to talk. Um, I want to talk about it. But basically, there's something maybe dated about it, or something like this, and I can't tell if it's just that, like my my usual like viewing lens is ill-equipped, or if it actually is like dated in some sense. Um, but like, like if I sit and dwell on a moment, uh, for long enough, I can feel the weight of it, but when I'm watching it, it feels a lot more like, um, like it has a sort of like casual or clandestine 
like feeling to it in my eyes but when i recall it it's super intense and really good so um yeah that's what i got yeah i thought this was a really cool movie uh i'm I'm not like totally floored by everything about it but i enjoyed it quite a bit um i think i know what you're talking about and like with the uh kind of more seemingly dated aspects um but these things i mean i don't know i was i was i was impressed at like how intense it was at certain moments and was actually not expecting it to be i was not expecting it to enjoy it as much as i did so um i agree movie was very good i was not floored um yeah, one example of this whole this whole like what Troy said is he described as clandestine a feeling. Is that feeling is that, totally is that right? a totally wrong word? No, I mean it's fine. I think it's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty literary. Yeah, undercover. It means yeah, like undercover. Yeah. yeah. Uh uh Yeah, well like here's a here's a much more material example. Like I did not I wasn't even throughout the process where uh Scotty is falling in love with uh with um uh Madeline. Madeline. Yeah, that whole process, I really didn't even feel like at any point Madeline was in love with him. Yeah, I agree. Like and so like that's a that just made like the 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 last chunk of the movie it rendered it much more I had I had to read it almost like a fantasy of Scotty's or something like that cuz he would have wanted her to love him. But we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, overall, it was good. Yeah, Scotty's a funny guy, funny character. Yeah, I love Scotty. I thought this film was pretty good. It To me, this is the film that actually feels like American cinema, especially like in this era. And it has, this kind of, it has this kind of feeling of it that I feel like doesn't really get captured anything outside of this era or even in the same time period in other countries and it has this bit of like campiness to it that i kind of enjoy uh not because i think it's like good but for the same reason that i like fast food kind of which it it has like this quality about it that doesn't feel like it feels a little um artificial hollywood Artificial. Yeah, it feels if he, yeah, I was going to say the word like yeah, artificial Hollywood. Um it feels dated in the same in the ways that other films from the 50s say in like France don't feel as dated. Um but there is something enjoyable about that to me. Um Yeah, I suppose I suppose I'll leave it there for now. Um it's worth noting that that it that it after 40 years or whatever beat we all know this but i want to mention it just that it beat out citizen kane on the sights and sounds critics list as the number one film of all time mm-hmm. um i don't know the more i think about it the more i feel like i have to approach it as like a parable or something or some kind of biblical story where like it's not actually gripping or anything but it's like really interesting and like timeless or something like this um i don't know my experience has been more analytical than emotionally engaging 
like as opposed to other Hitchcock films where like, oh, he's the master of suspense, which honestly, I never really felt. Not that he would, not that I felt the suspense, but not that he was the master. But I think Did it's you? hard when it's like the dialogue is also kind of Hollywoody. Like the dialogue is so unreal and like the decisions people make and like, oh, all of a sudden Scotty's in love with this woman, like out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, what? That's- because she's clear. I mean, it seems like it indicates just because she's so beautiful, right? And Scotty's just falling for her. But there's other stuff about how she's like, I mean, I feel like it's like Freud the movie or whatever <laughs> with like all the mommy son stuff like this. And like trying to, like like male power, uh, trying to like um, define, like uh, female beauty and all this stuff. Um, Troy, were there were there any particular moments that you thought were that you found pretty intense though, like while viewing, um, or just like I mean not even not even necessarily intense as well, far as like suspense and these things, but like just emotionally captivating. Assume- as soon um it was a little different because i've seen it multiple times um but i think the film becomes so much more interesting and engaging uh once uh madeline dies yeah um i agree once she dies and things start moving along i think it's really really exciting i think the first section is still really really good uh and i really like the whole dream aesthetic and the way things move along in this like weird dream fantasy world yeah um but at the same time it's just not it feels so hollywood and it's only after she dies only after she dies that it does it start to feel more like personal or Mm -hmm. or the personal nature of it is or is like more revealed and stuff and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like some like self-reflexive discussion of Hollywood and film and stuff like this, especially with like, I, I also am like prone to thinking of the women as art, like a, as like representative of some kind of art. But I still feel like overall my experience of enjoying it and stuff like this is in the analytical and not like the emotional or like the really engaging type. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of my enjoyment is uh, like to use the word Brody used uh, comes out of a lot of the campy campiness, you know, like the the kind of overbearing music and the Ugh. Hollywood lighting and stuff. It's like it's kind of like it's like bad taste that I'm like embracing as part of the product, you know, mm-hmm. where like, I, I don't know, which um i mean makes it makes it makes it a little bit more difficult to talk about it um seriously like from from a place where it's like we we can talk about like the the analytic um like model or whatever or or different ideas but it's like it's not as grounded emotionally as i might would like it to be but but I don't know. I still, I don't know. I still got, I still got like chills a couple times, you know, like I thought the, I thought the, I thought the last scene where they're like going up the stairs was super intense. Mm-hmm. Like his, his monologue I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I, that was like, that became, there was a point where the music stopped mm-hmm. and they're on the stairs and he's just ranting. And I, I thought that that was like fantastic. I thought that was like one of the best, that was the most like 
that was one of the few times in the film where I wasn't just like intrigued by the the like implied character dynamics just by like the decisions they make like you were saying like they just kind of make decisions and I was interested just because oh that's a choice the director made mm-hmm. you know but like this was the few time one of the few times when like I felt convinced by uh the character themselves and what they were deciding to do and how he was doing it and blah 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 like that I don't know I found that pretty pretty intense and I thought I thought the end was pretty satisfying in that regard with her falling off and stuff yeah to, off. to comment a little bit on how I was feeling like emotionally throughout the film I started to get more invested emotionally as it went on because in the same way that you sort of get emotionally invested when you're watching theater where it obviously doesn't look very real there's things that look kind of off about it most notably in this film when he's driving it kind of looks like his hands aren't even really like attached to him um but after a certain period of time i was getting like because it required a more of a suspension of disbelief just watching it visually that i became more invested in the story in the same way that that happens when you're watching theater i don't know if you're familiar with that concept No, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, I think, yeah, I think after a certain point, I stopped, I stopped really caring about any kind of sense of realism and like how believable the actors were and stuff. And I started enjoying it as more of like some kind of um, dreamlike thing. Cause, mm-hmm. cause I don't know, the whole, the whole movie gets like progressively more and more dreamlike. Like it feels very fantasy ish because things just kind of happen and then there's just this huge swell of emotion with the music and and yeah. it feel i don't know everything is a little bit nothing feels like it's a natural progression from the last thing really and things feel um, like over the top at least that's how it felt to me yeah yeah it's very like melodramatic um in some ways like them just like embracing and being like i love you madeline and Never let kissing, me go. and then yeah and the ocean exactly. behind them is like and yeah exactly I, yeah i mean yeah i, I think it's super like indulgent and i don't know i mean i would want to give like benefit of the doubt to like alfred hitchcock and the writers i don't actually know who's involved in creating this film but like i like to give you benefit of the doubt that they're not just like necessarily just using the kind of hollywood framework or something but that they're like aware of that because i don't know this is this is something i've been thinking about recently is just like uh we've been watching all this kind of more like quote unquote like serious cinema or something or more like realist something or other with like bergman and and hanukkah and blah 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 and uh i don't know there's films before this and during this time being done in europe that were um i mean it's not i don't know i don't think we can think of people in hollywood as like kids who didn't know any better or something like that who are just like doing the cheesy thing because that's what yeah they they're thought familiar was good. with foreign cinema because because obviously obviously there's films going on that uh don't use those cheesy things and it's like i don't know so I, I would think that um i mean i don't know if it's just purely trying to be like manipulative and like pandering or if it's like some more self-awareness to it or what but i don't know troy troy knows more about uh, I mean, I don't know. Troy has the more serious take on like uh, giving the film 
it's like full due or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I live or die by benefit of the doubt. Um, no, I think it's, I wouldn't say like obviously because it's not, but like I think you can infer with, uh, with, with very strong confidence that it is, he's certainly self-aware of these Hollywood tropes and like pandering. And I think part yeah. of it is actual pandering. Like, yeah. you know, people at this time would have loved it, you know? Um, but it's yeah. but but he also sort of utilizes it to serve, you know, his more highbrow story that yeah. that he wants to like, you know, that he wants to make or something. I don't know. Not to say that he doesn't want to do the thing he has to, you know, he definitely had like, you know, enormous amounts of control making this. Um and my understanding is that he wrote it as well, but I'm not certain. It's adapted from some book, you know, it says in the beginning, these people wrote a bunch of books just to try and get Hitchcock to make them into a film. And really? he ended up choosing this one, but he like cut out huge swaths of it and made all his own stuff. And like uh, a huge amount is just him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like, like I, I, yeah, I mean, I've already said it. It just feels like I have to watch it in some sort of detached way and just think about the story and not, like, 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 I can't be like putting my eggs in one basket, like, like looking for a great performance or looking for a really, a really subtle moment of whatever, you know, like everything is, everything is heavy handed. Everything is like, you know, some biblical story where it's like, and he took the fig leaf and inserted it into the whatever, whatever. Right. And it's like, there's nothing like exciting or interesting about like the exact way in which it happens you just have to like abstract away upon like what these things mean and like what is like the 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 point of the story or whatever in my mind well, well um i mean maybe but do you not do you not i don't know i mean there were there were a few parts that i felt as though there was some kind of um culmination of like a uh, bunch of techniques being used into like a focus point of something happening that I felt like worked. Yeah, but I think um, this is just like great storytelling. Like it's not great performance. It's not nuanced writing or something. You yeah. know, like I, I get excited, but I'm not like, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I just watched it and was like bored, but it's like fun to play with the ideas. I'm just saying like my excitement towards the end when he's going up the thing, right? It's yeah. like you're excited to see what happens in the story. Um, but it's not it, it just doesn't have that like sort of intense realism that like is more like gripping at a moment by moment level. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like I love but, when he's going up there. You're like almost sure that there's no way she survives. Yeah, like when they're going up, and yet, she, of course, she she dies, and that ending still feels so good, and in my mind, still surprisingly, like shockingly sad or something. Like even though you definitely know it's gonna happen, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, well, also, I mean, this was you know my first viewing, the, the scene where he's being, what is it? It's like a, it's kind of like a trial, but it's a very odd sort of trial. It's yeah, like yeah. nothing but dudes and they're all like suit wearing dudes yeah. yeah which which is clearly important to some degree but uh yeah i mean i'm like 
uh, I felt really bad, you know, for John during yeah. that, for Scotty during that. Yeah. And uh, like a visceral level of shame for him. You know, I was like, oh my God, like his vertigo kicked in twice. You know, this guy's truly fucked, you yeah. know? And they're just railing um, on him. Railing on him. And also, uh, like that was, I'm so I'm just listing examples of like visceral investment. That was one moment. Uh, later on when he's buying her the clothes, telling her to put on certain clothes, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was pretty viscerally invested at that point, you know, um, that was pretty like grotesque situation, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, sorry. Uh, well, no, you should just go. I think any, any other points I would have to list would just be from much earlier in the film. I mean, I was, yeah, to, to speak on him making her try on all the clothes, that was, very visceral for me it made me extremely uncomfortable watching that um like i don't know if it would have changed like from a 50s perspective but i kind of doubt it because he was really like forward super demanding super possessed no definitely I don't know. yeah and then when she was crying on uh like with her head down in her apartment and then he like gives her alcohol to he's like here drink this as medicine trying to get her drunk super yeah. weird it's because he he constantly does that you know he's constantly trying to drink and he also offers it earlier to uh madeline yeah he offers her a drink when she's all flustered and uh yeah he comes home and he makes a drink there's definitely something about this whole this whole like uh drink as like uh you know it's not just medicine it's clearly like a psychic an object that like acts towards psychic repression or psychic suppression, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just this recurring item. I don't know that, that obviously communicates something like that, right? Some sort of papering over the problem. Um, you know, I definitely don't think the male like quote unquote violence is like dated or anything. It's definitely over the top then and now in my mind. And like, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's all about, I mean, at some point, I guess we got we'll get in more into it. But like he's he you know he's he's super it, so like power oriented over all all the women he interacts with. Um, it's it's like most clear in Judy because he he's like, um, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to talk about what we think he's trying to do exactly. But, um, yeah, and like you know not to mention like he he you know uh when madeline you know uh, he saves her from the river and like undresses her you know while she's unconscious and you know quote unquote unconscious right you know yeah yeah yeah. anyway just the whole thing i'm just in in that whole scene right he sits up on the couch he he puts her on the floor he's kind of grilling her trying to observe her right he gets lost in the sauce and then like it's it's different like the second time around the first time he's like getting sucked in and the second he's trying to recreate it but i'm a little confused but it seems interesting like yeah what he's trying to accomplish through recreating right he keeps talking about being free of the past and 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 maybe curing his vertigo or something like this but anyway there's all this like there's lots of crazy power stuff oh also real and it's so interesting it's one of the few movies i know of where there's like a convincing shift in protagonist because i remember thinking like oh this is kind of cringe when uh judy reads the letter that just explains the plot you know 
Um, and I guess it's about like, you know, you know, some irony or dramatic irony, right? Build some suspense, right? Give the audience something that the protagonist doesn't know. But like there occurs like a huge shift in protagonist where then we start to care for Judy. She loves him or whatever. And he starts and he's becoming like insanely obsessed with this like idea in his mind. And um, right. there's like just an effective shift there where like we get, you know, multiple tragedies from multiple like, you know. Yeah, the, the first half is all about like the object of of desire versus the second half, which is all about like the real or like something real about Judy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we want to launch into analysis, but I think it's fair to say, and it seems kind of obvious and even trite now because we've seen it in so many other films. Uh, but like, you know, the first half seems to be masculine circulating an object of desire. The object of desire is Madeline. You know, and there's some sort of unattainability to Madeline, Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. sort of um, impossibility surrounding her, especially since she's likened to the art piece, right? And she's literally a ghost. Yeah. Uh, And a work of art and all that, you know? Uh, And like, uh, what else? Oh, and we're constantly taking the perspective of John, who's literally just peeping on her, right? Um the way we would peep at like an art gallery or something like that, or at an object that we enjoy. Um, let's see. And there's like a, it's his friend's wife too. So there's this forbiddenness to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. She's like the per, she's like the perfect object of desire because she even crosses a taboo like that. Yeah. Like she's even barred mm-hmm. from you in that way. When she's like literally unreal, like she right, is right. possessed yeah. by a ghost. Um, supposedly yeah. supposedly but he seems to sort of buy into it i, I mean right yeah. yeah i mean and, and yeah. i honestly i didn't know i mean i've only seen psycho so i haven't seen any other hitchcock films so i didn't know like what I don't, I don't really know like what kind of a film he makes as far as like so like i don't know i was i didn't actually know if the movie was going to turn into she actually is possessed i i mean i had a suspicion that she wasn't but right. um mm-hmm. there's definitely a point in the film where I could have been convinced either way. So yeah, I bet it was like, when she. Sorry. I was just gonna say when, um, not the particular moment, but just that. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was gonna say. Go ahead. When she goes, <laughs> when they're in the redwood forest, and she goes behind the tree. Yeah, she like disappears for a yeah. second, and then and then, and he, and then yeah. he runs around, and she's still there. Yeah, I thought, yeah. That, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty thought, funny, but yeah. that's probably yeah. peak. Oh my gosh, she actually is a ghost or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and like, and Wait, isn't there another moment are... of impossibility? There's some moment where she yeah, where she's in the hotel. She's in the hotel, and the desk clerk says she was never there. That she yeah, that there. one yeah. actually that's confuses that me. Makes... Yeah, that's yeah, the only that one, one that literally doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think I think she's just the I clerk. Just that... sorry. I, okay, I think that either like two explanations: either the clerk just like didn't notice her come in, she wasn't at the desk, or the other one is that at this point, and I. Um, I don't know, I like this more, and I think that it goes better with the kind of dreamlike quality of all of these situations he's in with her, is that we're, we're, we've taken his perspective, and we're somewhat, like, crossing over into his actual, like, subjectivity or whatever, and, like, seeing her where she's not or something like that. Because, like, later in the film, you have him seeing all these women that look like her, 
And I think uh, a couple of those times the the actress is actually switched out yep. between shots. And so I think right. that as far as like the um, yeah, I, th- I think that as soon as he encounters Madeline, um, he is like we're we've kind of adopted his uh, view or his like psyche or whatever and what he's like projecting onto the world in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, the I got a BTFO moment. Okay. Uh, in the same, I think I pointed out a while ago in uh, the piano teacher, when the piano teacher, when the lady is uh, like attempting, like they're in the hockey ring, you know, in the storage closet, and she's attempting to give him like a BJ or something like that, right? And gags and pukes gags Mm -hmm. and pukes and i mentioned then that there's this way in which like a physical illness can like prevent uh one from like actualizing a desire or like completing a fantasy so as to preserve the fantasy for longer and maybe there's something to that claim here as well in the way that vertigo functions uh the first case there's something like uh kind of convenient that the fir- that the vertigo allows him when he's climbing the tower because when by the very fact that he's not like in the room to kill her or something like that i think that it uh it facilitates some sort of like trauma such that he can exist like like that his failure was because of the vertigo and not because of failing of his own to save her it allows him to like maintain the fantasy but through a traumatic state so he can relive it uh in a way that people like tend to relive trauma they don't actually want to get out of trauma and so like he doesn't want to get out of the sensation of vertigo necessarily because the sensation of vertigo is it it becomes like linked it takes on a metonymical property uh between madeline his object of desire yeah and vertigo so they become linked one to one Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, and like then that. and then at the end at the end when he overcomes his vertigo it's after his like um his fantasy has been shattered forever right. and yeah, yeah. and so, he's in the room right and he's in the room and not only that he's the one that like push her or something like that which is interesting well she i mean i think that he was most likely going to kill her but i think she uh, no you don't think he was going to kill her? No, they, I feel like at the last moment, they make amends because she gives him this I loved you the whole time and he buys it and they kiss and then it gets ruined. Like it, and, and, and then, then McGuffin, McGuffin walks in. Yeah, and then Mr. McGuffin walks in. No, I think I think there was a decent <laughs> chance that he would kill her. Mr. Yeah, I was I was scared that he was going to kill her like regardless. I mean, I don't know. I mean, she, well, I thought she he was has before become... That yeah i mean but i yeah, wasn't I convinced by his reaction she says that you're right yeah i don't think his reaction is except is like like he doesn't say like oh my god you're so right well he pulls her in you. and they kiss but but the kiss is like problematic i think it's like well, i mean sort like of did like, you like, did you, know, you go hip hip like, hooray we've solved all the problems or something when they kiss you know like yay like, yeah this could be nah i yeah, didn't, I I didn't the, the kisses only happened the 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 Kissing in the film has only happened at acute moments of confessions of genuine love or genuine love or whatever. 
right? He won't kiss right. Judy no, 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 until no. she becomes You're... Madeline, and then he's like, I love you now, and they kiss. Right, but but now the problem is that he's kissing, like, the real, and so there's some sort of real break that has to occur. Mm -hmm. Like, like... So you're right that it, it all these supposed intimate moments where they kiss or whatever, that's what would maintain a fantasy or something. Like there has to be some tragic instantiation associated with this kiss, I think, in order to maintain this like connection to the real or whatever, you know, to complete yeah. the to complete the real. I agree with and that. So the tragedy, the tragedy, I guess, I suppose, yeah, I suppose if he doesn't have to kill her, it could simply just be that she dies but yeah a tragedy has to occur yeah i agree with that i was just saying i don't think he was gonna like i think at that moment he wasn't intending to harm her mm. um but yeah i think the vertigo thing is interesting like it's um right he develops it because he fails to like perform it in, in his like very masculine job and like his buddy dies right right and he develops him, right, right. He develops this problem and then he has to wear a, uh, a uh, what's it called at the very beginning of the movie? He has to wear a corset, corset. right? He's Yeah, so he's feminized. Yeah. <laughs> he's feminized, and he's there with Midge, right? And Midge is like this. I love Midge, right? She's like the perfect. We, we love Midge. We are team Midge, right? Team because Midge. This film's not about us. We're smart enough to see him, know a Midge when we see him. Yeah. Uh, right? Midge is like the perfect girl who loves him and all this stuff, but, but, but she doesn't hold his attraction because she's like his mom, you know, like she, she calls him baby and talks about how she babies him and stuff. And right. he calls her yeah. like mom or he refers to as motherly. Right. And she, and she called off the marriage. She was the one to say no to him. Like yeah. the yeah. mom says no to baby. And, yeah. And, and he also at the, I think it was the beginning scene. He mentions like, you know, still single as if he's yeah. still down. Yeah. But she's not. Yeah. But she right. clearly he, he is. Wants to, he's he, not. He, and and isn't that feminizing? Because there's something about like how he wants to be the object of her desire, but yeah. he can't be, or something like that. And he's like, he's even like put himself out there for her, you know? Yeah, totally. No, because yeah, she seeks after him multiple times, right? She's like in the later scene, the the big big sad scene, death of Rip Midge, where she's like, you know, I'll take. She's basically like, you know, let me take you out to a dinner and movie, you know? And he's like, yeah, okay, that sounds good, you know, blah blah. Uh -huh. And then she. You know, in keeping with that request, basically, right, she shows him this thing where she is like explicitly replacing the object of his sexual desire with her own face, right? She's saying, yeah. you know, desire me, see me this way, see me as this fantasy sex object or whatever it is, you know? Right. Like, let me be your fantasy. For Midge. Right? And oh, he's man, like, was... right? And that's a moment of like, that's that's like another kind of real clashing with fantasy, like in, mm -hmm. in, in an extremely visual sense. Mm -hmm. And he's like sickened by it, you know. He's like, "No, that's not. Oh no, you know, it's like your mom, you know, like your mm -hmm. mom's like, you know, sexualize me, please." Mm -hmm. Anyway, so there's something, yeah, but the vertigo and like masculinity, like, like, like as a sign of his like lacking masculinity, but also how that ties in with the fantasy, because yeah, like it's the only reason they are able to you know, pull the wool over his eyes, but it's also the thing that allows him to, like, continue in his, like, hyper-masculine fantasizing. And then, like, the second, yeah, part two, right, he wants to redo it, right? He's talking about getting a second chance. Yeah. yeah. Right? But it's, like, he's, like, getting a second chance to what? Like, be the man, right? Be the masculine man he should be, or, like, the, the, like the masculinity he fantasizes about. And so he's, like, this, like, crazy, aggressive, hyper-masculine character... 
right? He's like super dominating of the women, whereas before, right? He like kind of gave her room and like literally watched her from afar, like a beta orbiter. Right. 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 Let He's her like go into the into yeah. the into the church as opposed to forcing her in. Yeah, it's like um, it's like you know some some yeah some like actual beta orbiter online who like mm-hmm. conceives of himself as too nice right and should he actually make the switch to what he thinks is chad or whatever you know he's just gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be the jerk right why do girls always like the the jerky guys right the mean so guys, like you yeah. know he would just become nice guys the jerk. first last yeah something yeah. kind of like this yeah well the, yeah that's interesting because he's he's doing that knowingly because before then he was being mean but in like the more perverse sense where it's like he doesn't even realize that he's being so mean yeah like he initially when he tries dressing her up and treating her like she was madeline judy as if she's madeline Uh there's like there's this like he's not quite um he's not quite like sure why he's doing it. he's just he's just kind of operating like in this uh you know this uh psychic haze where he just feels compelled to do it and then later on uh he he's like forced to confront it because judy brings it up judy's like you're just making me do this to be like her huh you know and then he's like i just uh and then eventually he's like yeah whatever yeah i'm doing it and then so he continues with the repetition for a bit so like at that point at that point he becomes knowing of his own psychic dilemma or whatever but then it's not until he sees the necklace obviously that it that it becomes that not only does he know of his own psychic dilemma like he he truly understands the real or something like that and that's uh and it's like some sort of like breaking out of just like because it's it's some sort of like there's honestly like on a semi-cynical thing going on because like uh it's almost as if to say had he not seen that necklace he would not have adopted this overcoming mentality you know mm-hmm. he would have instead wallowed in the repetition of being with the fake madeline forever you know mm-hmm. but it was it was it was un it was this this external object that threw him through a loop and it like connected all the dots for him or something like that and then he knew what he had to do to break through uh his trauma and all that and in doing so like cures vertigo you know whatever yeah i think is interesting i don't know the fact that it's through an object that he's yeah. able to adopt that mentality um well, to go back to something we mentioned earlier and is a little bit off topic but um do you think that the nun is a total like just a total MacGuffin, like popping in there and then she jumps like is she just totally an excuse because i was trying to figure out why she jumps or if she jumped or if she got pushed i mean yeah she just got frightened and yeah i think it's funnier if we say deus ex machina even though it's not like they're saved they're not all saved it's a tragic ending or whatever but clearly scotty's saved like her dying like this completes the entire situation right yeah it's like the titanic right and so right exactly and so the, the the you know it's a fun little hitchcock thing to like invert the deus ex machina instead the you know instead instead everyone's saved well the protagonist is saved but obviously it's through this tragic thing so like yeah. yes the yeah yeah and yeah anyways anyway and obviously deus you know god whatever yeah holy i think yeah. i i think it's a super heavy-handed MacGuffin. or i think i mean it's definitely some it's definitely self-aware i agree with what steven's saying that like if everything feels totally right about it about what happens not exactly like the cause but I think the cause, I don't know, something about it is just super, um, 
I don't know what the phrase would be, but like just brings an enormous amount of attention to Hitchcock's presence. Right? Like he wants you to know who did this to you or something like this. I bet there there was at some point they were considering having Scotty push her off. And there was some understanding that that actually wasn't as satisfying as allowing the nun to do it. Maybe it actually, because at that point, we don't actually relate to a triumph story for John, right? For Scotty, mm-hmm. right? We don't actually like triumph with them as a viewer. And so maybe it produces like a more disgusting appeal at the end, you know, like it's not. But whereas, whereas if we allow for the shatter, the, the shatter into the real, and so like this overcoming vertigo, all that, but but understanding that a tragedy has to occur, allowing it to be an external thing such as this, you know, it saves the audience and it makes every everything more enjoyable, and it makes Scotty more like his his story more happy, more like, bene, you know, benevolent or like something like that. I don't know. Or just hate him less, I guess. Definitely hate him less. Yeah, you definitely yeah. feel at, so at least, bad for him. At, yeah, I at think, least, yeah, at least hate him less. Yeah, I think I think uh, after I was made to like hate him over this, uh, like the thing with the clothing store and stuff, I was surprised at how much I started to feel for him when he's giving his rant to her going up the stairs. Yeah, um, and just realizing like how terrible she is you know because right, i hadn't really right. th- i hadn't like really thought about that i just yeah, thought like oh she got she's... instrumentalized too and then i was really realizing like she like she's a yeah she yeah she's a murder murder yeah i mean yeah, yeah i had the, i had that exact same experience that. i had yeah. that exact yeah. same experience so yeah i think i think that like and, and i think that's why earlier i mentioned how that was one of the moments when i was really kind of convinced by the movie and i think that that's like I don't know, that's that's a good example of a place where things like lines kind of came together into making this kind of really, I don't know, ambiguous moment, um, like morally ambiguous moment where I didn't actually even know how I, like what I wanted to happen next, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Just, um, it, you go, you it, go. no, yeah, I mean, it's it's spot on. And I don't know, I think it might relate to the nun thing again, because it's like, right, we really, like, the audience, we re- the viewer really quickly transitions from, like, the protagonist of Scotty to the protagonist of Judy, just by Judy telling us a sob story, right? And then we're kind of on Judy's side, and we kind of forget about the whole accomplice to murder thing, right? She presents it as, like, <laughs> or you're, like you're saying, they're, they're all instrumentalized. And then, right, this this elevator thing, right, this this ascension moment up the uh, up the proverbial penis building, and right, he's overcoming yeah. this thing. He brings our attention back to the fact that she's an accomplice to murder, and through one last tragedy, like we return back to the protagonist of Scotty, and it kind of mirrors just this like fantasy reality synthesis thing again, right? Like because the the first first scotty protagonist is like this dream fantasy world not just in content but visually i mean it's like super mist like everything is like misty and what is it i mean not misty what's the phrase it, you know what i'm talking foggy. about like huh I, I don't know i just said foggy super I mean, soft like, like everything is super yeah. soft the light is all super soft yeah it's like, it's it's like, like somebody sneezed on the lens yeah yeah like especially when they're in the garden scene stuff like that it's like crazy how the light just glistens everywhere Right. And then you have the the reality of Judy who's just like a sad, no fantasy, whatever. 
Anyway, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. What'd you have, Steven? Um, uh, let's see if I can remember. Uh, uh, can I get a, uh, I, this is different. Mm, I forgot. I have a scene that I want to okay. talk about. Uh, I love the scene when, uh, he's talking to his friend who like is the, is the husband, you know? Yeah. Uh, I loved like his office and like. Yeah. All, and like the the I don't know just the <laughs> the like uh, powerful man uh, everything like about the about the room and then like the shipyards behind him and stuff yeah just like screams like powerful man and stuff and, and the, that that whole like longs that whole dynamic between them as the scene uh, plays through I thought was uh, I don't know it was fun to watch yeah and he longs for like a more rural San Francisco, but he's taking part in this grand industrial sort of project that I suppose he just inherited through mm -hmm. marriage, but I suppose we're led to believe that he actually isn't that interested in it. But I, it's hard to say because he's clearly evil and just wants to take the money and run, yeah, run he, away. Yeah. And he uses this phrase referring to the past he misses where men were like more free. He like he specifically uses a phrase like where, when men were more free back then, power, something like that. Like men had more power and were more free back then. Yeah. And this yeah. phrase is like said exactly the same by the historian in the bookshop. Where he's like back then men had more power, you know. And what are they referring to? Like the historian is saying like men had more power, the type of power where you could just get rid of your wife right yeah <laughs> right like the, he's telling the story about the guy right? i forgot about that part yeah he just tells the story about the guy who like you know just kicked his wife to the curb and whatever and he's like yeah you could do that stuff back then men had more power more freedom right and this is like the same thing yeah. the, the shipbuilder wants and the shipbuilder the shipbuilder and scotty sort of play out like like there's some like foreshadowing of like what's like like the power dynamics in the room like big powerful man is in the chair and Scotty's walking around doing his thing. He's elevated above the guy, you know, and he's he's looking at things and talking, right? And the guy makes a request and Scotty's like, No, you know, I'm I'm daddy or whatever. And then and then the guy gets him on the hook, right? With this story, right? And Scotty wants to hear more. And then Scotty sits down and he stands up and he walks around Scotty, you know, spinning this story or whatever. Anyway, and that's like how Scotty feels, like you know, throughout the film, right? Scotty's gonna. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I don't know. Uh, he also offers him a drink. He also yeah, offers him a drink. Scotty drink. says no. Yeah, it's too early, too soon. I think. Yeah. Well, I think of that as like it's actually like a good thing because he mm -hmm. enters the cycle because like there there's some little way you could read that where it's like by saying no, not in not taking the drink or something, he's like entering the the whole scheme of things. Yeah. You know, like uh, he's about to, you know endure this painful like unrepression or something like that yeah yeah he's gonna do it raw mm -hmm. he's gonna yeah. raw dog life yeah get raw dogged by life yeah more like uh also um there's like one of the like most important 
discoveries Freud had made was like post World War One, when he had a bunch of clients or a bunch of patients uh, from the uh, that were traumatized, shell shocked from World War One, and he noticed uh, in treating them that like all of them did not want to escape their trauma and that that was an extremely strange thing and so he he felt like uh they would uh be eager to recount their trauma to him they would uh and he would also suppose things like you know through through his own line of reasoning and all that you know like uh that they were not interested in actually being rid of the trauma but instead like dwelling within it forever okay um and you know it's certainly at work in the movie right yeah. obviously vertigo and madeline like i said take on a metonymy they stand for each other they're one-to-one -one. and like vertigo and his traumatic situation earlier on you know like he he doesn't actually want to overcome it um and then, like i said at the very end bringing bringing full circle like it takes this external object this external like forcing for him to for it to be like undeniable that if in a tragic situation for it to truly like break the trauma cycle or something like that the external object being the necklace um, yeah but yeah yeah i mean he literally goes out of his way to try and recreate the trauma but he thinks that by reliving it and getting to do it differently right he will get to like integrate the trauma and and become master of his right his lack of masculinity or whatever Right. But actually, but, he just gets emasculated by life itself. Right. Or something yeah, like it, this. Yeah, it's actually like he's he's wrong. He's either deceiving himself or he's just wrong. But a lot of people think that, like, I can just I can just in, I can just relive the trauma over and over and I'll slowly come to terms with it and then I'll be able to reintegrate with life. But the the problem is like you just like you dwell on the trauma and you yeah you you develop like a perverse fixation on it because it becomes part of like your i don't know we'll, we'll just say like subjective identity or something like that yeah so to give up that trauma would be to like give up who you are uh and so like be in a like really difficult place or something like that but don't we feel like it's so true so true so true but what what is being said about like what one should do then because it seems like i feel like scotty although obviously I'm so sad for him at that last moment, right? He has overcome his vertigo. He has like some kind of synthesis and understanding has occurred. Like what, right? He obviously also hasn't just ignored the trauma. Like he's come into contact with the same trauma and a new trauma and like, uh, like where, like what would be the, what would be the like almost didactic thing to like yeah, take I away, think you know? I I think I think uh, if we introduce the final moment as a separate trauma, it really complicates things. So we should just try and read it as if it's not a trauma and as if it's like conclusive. Uh, <laughs> well, some kind of like I'm saying like the synthesis in itself is traumatic. Like there's something, something traumatic occurs, uh, but it's not. It, it's definitely like I love it, saying like interweaved or braided in, but it's like braided in with the previous trauma. It's like they're they're inseparable they're obviously distinct in some sense well i'm well i mean so he does overcome his vertigo and he does overcome his desire for madeline so what does that allow him to do now i mean now ideally he can pursue uh real Midge. relationships a real woman Midge. no Midge. no 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 no
No, she is probably off limits forever. No, dude, no. you're supposed to marry your mom. There, there's like some, there's right? some super like problem situation. <laughs> right, guys. No, I'm serious. Wait, is that is that? I mean, obviously, no, the, that's that's not the real. That's not necessarily. Well, no, the, the, real. yeah, the thing is that like whatever guys want to like end up marrying someone that's like their mom, or something, right? Uh, yeah, but that's that can be problem. I mean, that yeah, but we're. Uh, midge, 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 <laughs> midge, 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 but, but like, midge is like, hot like, too. But why midge would, is it, hot. But no, no, no. That's this only works assuming like Scotty's mom is like Midge or something like that. Like, like people, people in general don't just want to marry like someone like their mom. Yeah. People want to marry somebody who is a good person, and if your mom happens to be like a good person, like that helps. Yeah. Now I understand like this whole like Oedipal. Oh, you want to marry someone like your mom? Yeah. It's not. I don't think it's as simple as mother. I think it's much more, uh, much more related to like uh, how your like desire mechanism worked out. For instance, like, like, uh, like I think if we imagine like a, a Russell Brand type figure, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like I, I don't know what his mother was like. I don't know anything about him, but you know, he was like this sex addict or something, right? Yeah. And like, and like you imagine the person that he wants to marry. Me too. I don't. I don't think is necessarily actually like his mom. She's she's just like a better person than all of these other yeah. like whatever like sexy model women that he's probably having, you know, crazy sex with. <laughs> but like but like like it's not like he's necessarily it's not like oh, he's going to finally put aside all these model women for a motherly woman, but no, it's just like a an actually like a real person, yeah. a real person. Yeah. Yeah, a real. No, I I We should talk. I think I want to I think I want to really investigate this whole Russell Brand having sex with models. Yeah. <laughs> I want to dwell on this just a little longer. All right, but how about this? Shipbuilder as daddy. Does Maybe. he say no at some uh-huh. point? Huh? Does he ever say no? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just want I, it. All right. I, 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 just, I, think want that, it. I think just want, want it. it. I'm just. I'm, I just. Yeah, I'm exploring it with okay, you. Okay, there's something. I'm, crazy about, but... I'm asking you genuinely. Like, does he ever like just say no or something to him or something like that, or deny no. him access? Not that I'm aware of. He denies him access from. There's. Yeah. Madeline by there's... throwing her off the building. Well, yeah, nobody, there's, there's some no, kind there's, of world. There you go. He's he he's at the top of the penis. He, uh, he engages in some world building, but there's just this like interesting stuff. Obviously, maybe not his dad, but like the the other guy as like, like it's definitely masculine as Scotty's yeah. as like so- Scotty's conception of masculinity or something. Uh, like when when they're going up the staircase and this like you know this uh, this uh, climax is occurring in more ways than one. He's like when he's when he's yelling at Judy. He's like, did he did he like? I wish I had the actual whatever it is the transcript. Like, did he fix you up like this? Did he did he fix you up? Did he make you look like this? Did he do that? You know, basically saying like, is is he the one who did what I'm doing to you uh, better than I can do it, right? And it was so good that it fooled me too, right? And there's like this competing, right? He wants to, you know, overcome the 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 power of the other man as it's manifested through the other man's ability to cook up a woman for Scotty to fall in love with, right? Like, and he wants, you know, there's like Super this, meta, this, by the way. Right? Super meta, by the way, because it's film, and it's like doctoring up a woman for you to desire in a film, like a Hitchcock idea, but go on. Yeah, no, well, I, yeah, I, exactly, right? Like, because he doctors up these female characters, and we, 
just like Scotty, just watch her from afar. And we basically are very interested in her for who yeah. knows. I don't know why. Yeah. I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, like baby sucking on thumb. Um, <laughs> dude, yeah. And she is, uh, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's comical and heavy-handed and yet still works. When we first catch a look at her face and it's just the screen uh, just goes blank and the word sex appears. For like five seconds straight. Yeah, I like that part. I found it so surprising that it, it was so upfront and yet it worked. I yeah, I, I, I didn't even sure. notice. I, I, I know third viewing is no. when I saw that for five well, seconds. Most most people don't sex. notice it because it's so subliminal. Yeah, like, no, it's I, only ten I, seconds I, long. I was mostly <laughs> I was mostly captivated by the dubstep that they played during this. <laughs> and I, it was so ahead like of the time. drop. <laughs> when, when when she's revealed but but yeah i mean i don't know i even though like uh um all this these comments troy about you saying it's like comical or whatever when she's first introduced well just when we I'm, see the face and it's like right it's this dream thing but i just yeah. mean the red too right it just becomes her yeah. face and this like sexy red lace wallpaper and, and you're in this like sex chamber of a restaurant and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, I felt very Lynchian, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that is what yeah. I was gonna say. Is I felt like Damn, that sorry. scene in particular felt very yeah. much like something that could be in a Lynch film. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right too, because Lynch, I mean, Lynch is Alfred but, Hitchcock. No, the only difference I or one William difference, Shakespeare is David Lynch. <laughs> one difference I feel is like when you see it in Lynch like the 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 hollywood like the hollywood campy aesthetic is like i think comes off as much more ironic than here where it actually is like employing conventions of its time and like the self-aware yeah. to the degree it's self-aware doesn't feel like um like it's meant to be as noticed yeah well what's interesting is that if it is self-aware like well, let's assume is. that Okay, well, if it's self-aware, it's actually it's almost like a more cynical employment of the of the same like techniques than like Lynch would be, because Lynch Lynch like recognizes like the emptiness of like making this look be like playing up uh, the a certain emotion in a moment, and so and like gives the audience some kind of like um you know what I mean versus like versus like Alfred Hitchcock like. He's like uh, playing the audience in a way that like Lynch wouldn't be. Does that yeah, make I sense? The, well, I think playing the audience stuff is annoying. Yeah, it is sort of cynical, but at the same time, it does feel like. I mean, if it, it seems like clear from the film's perspective that Scotty's infatuation with Madeline is empty, like it is just this like empty Hollywood infatuation that like doesn't make sense. And is clearly like superficial. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. I mean, not, okay. Yeah. yeah right? No. 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 That. No. Just I'm, like, I'm but just board. like us, right? Like we see yeah. her and we're like, oh wow, she's smoking or something, you know? No. And I'm, it's like I'm we on... become more and more interested in seeing her face and seeing her close okay. up and blah blah blah. I'm I'm on board with that. Um, I think I'd be more on board with it if, when, well, okay. No, I'm on board with it because because at the end, you, when you get these moments of where we kind of leave Scotty's um, like psyche, you know, like his subjectivity 
in like seeing Madeline and instead we kind of just see like in the clothing store in particular. Yeah. I don't think there's music during that part. But that part seems very like grimy, you know? Like it's not it's not, not physical. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not it, there's no there's not much polish to that scene. And like so yeah, I don't know. I'm on I'm on board with the the uh the kind of like the Hollywood techniques and like kind of uh playing up the emotions on all this as being like uh a tool used to like show us like how Scotty is seeing it and that and that the yeah and that there is a self-awareness and like how these are empty or something like that but i would say though i would be more convinced by that and i'd be more on board with that if like there's a little bit more if the music didn't come back i think it's going back well yeah i feel like it's going back and forth like when we are in her perspective alone right it is much more like real or whatever yeah and then uh but right but then she becomes right she does the wig and she finally becomes madeline right and then we immediately shift from his like literal perspective right and it's like you know and like this insane you know otherworldly light comes in and he looks like a ghost you know or some apparition yeah oh and i guess i guess pure bliss but then but then we go back yeah the the moment i was gonna say Okay, with that with that in mind, the moment I was gonna say like I wish there wasn't music was uh when they're first going up the stairs for the second time at the very end. Yeah. There's like music and then it goes away after a minute. Yeah. Um but I guess that it makes sense because well actually I, I think the music is like pretty sinister, isn't it? It's like dun 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 dun, you know, like yeah, it, it's, it's like too much. I didn't like it. Yeah, I think I think it I think what it hates music. What it should have been is some kind of like uh like what what I would have imagined if we were talking about the film as being as you employing this like the music as being part of something of part of Scotty's like subjectivity or something like his like projection onto the narrative we're seeing um you'd expect that moment to be a little more like triumphant or something or like or like not triumphant but like about to triumph or something not like scary situation you know so I don't know I mean yeah I don't know What, are you doing? what about the what about the mix between uh, diegetic and non-diegetic music? Like what? Well, at the beginning, um, you know, he turns off the record. Or she, you know, he's like, "We should listen to something a little less something or other," you know. And then they take off the record, they move the needle, and then the, so there's no music, so it's diegetic there. And then tons of times during the the entire time we're like watching from scotty's perspective we uh we're getting this like heavy-handed music like while he's peeping on her while he's like snooping you know while he's uh you know going up the bell tower and then the only other time the fact that diegetic music is referenced is when uh they finish or no when he's in the hospital again and she's like i don't think beethoven's gonna cure him or something like that oh yeah and so they turn off the music again and it's like explicitly mentioned both times, and both times it's Mitch uh, that is in the room and turns off the music. Um, mm. uh, I don't know. There's something there, something going on there. Mitch is the shoe in for Hanukkah. Mitch says the music isn't going to help, <laughs> and everyone knows that Mother knows best. 
No, I think that's definitely related. Her comments about how this, like, the music isn't going to help him, right? Like, the fantasy. He's like, right? What is he even doing in there, too? I found it, like, he's just stuck in some fantasy. I don't know. I That whole sequence yeah, he's just trance. Yeah, he's just tranced. He's just in a trance. Like, yeah. At the bottom floor, yeah. Oh, yeah, because it happens right after he has that, like, nightmare. I like, I like, I always like the idea of people being so mentally ill they can't speak. But I remember it feeling, uh, I don't know, just sort of strange. Like, it almost felt like just a weird, um, like, segue. Like, he's in this thing. All of a sudden, he's in this thing. And it seems like he's been there a while. And then, like, all of a sudden, he's back on the street talking to strangers. I don't know. But he's in pursuit of his fantasies. Right? Yeah, well, he's he only speaks, or he only begins to speak. We only see him begin to speak once. He's in pursuit of his fantasy, trying to reclaim mm -hmm. his trauma. He does mention one thing before he before he arrives at Judy for the first time. <laughs> After walking into Ernie's, or is it Eddie's? Ernie's? Ernie's. He's looking around the room, and then we get this shot where he mistakes a woman in a gray suit for Madeline. Okay, he realizes it's not her. He gets all bummed. He turns on to the bar counter. He turns to the bartender and he says, Scotch and something. And then the scene ends. Right. So right. the only the only words he says, and then next time he's out and about where he's like walking down the street and he and he finds Judy for the first time in the green dress, you know, and he follows her. Turns to the bartender and says, Scotch. Uh -huh. E. Scotchy. Scotchy. He says Scotchy. Can I can I get a Scotchy? When uh, did you did you Scotch and something? Sounded good. I thought it was somewhat noteworthy that when, because he mistakes two different women for Madeline in that restaurant. Yeah. One, she's entering and the other is leaving. Right. The one who's like leaving the restaurant where it mirrors the way we saw her the very first time. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting that it actually is Madeline. Uh, like it's not, it, it literally, like it actually is the actress. But she like oh, she right, gets yeah. up and it's the actress and then she goes kind of into the dark for a moment or or it cuts back to him like Whoa. and then yeah. when she comes out of the, like this like brief moment of shade it's someone else yeah I liked mm -hmm. that yeah it was good <laughs> I liked that right because it want it wants us to make it, make us feel right just as crazy as he is what I've been had he really is the puppet master and I'm just his little puppet. I like it, the part I hate where, Hitchcock. Where, Hitchcock. Once she, Hitchcock. where once she, once she is fully realized as Madeline when she does her hair and mm -hmm. worn the suit, that mm -hmm. she's this green ghost, all translucent, it's just standing there. Mm -hmm. That was another case where it was just so like obvious and in your face with the. Uh, what do you what he was going for there yeah mm. but the visuals are so that's the thing is that with all this like heavy handedness i felt that some of like the visual like uh i don't know there's a lot of just visual moments that were visually super striking and like hit me or whatever and like he wouldn't have been able to done that if he wasn't going for the heavy handed you know and like mm -hmm. even though it's heavy handed i'm not like i don't know i, I mean 
Yeah, it looked cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like, and that, and that's what I said at the beginning. That's what I said at the beginning is that like I mostly found this to be a very cool movie, you know, and like, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, there I mean, wasn't, there isn't, there isn't, the, there, there isn't this sense of like, uh, subtle like twisting and turning and and like ambiguity that that really gets me when when I'm watching. When I'm watching what I think is a really good film. Can I go? Yeah. I would say something contiguous between Citizen Kane and Vertigo. And so therefore the a cat the film, the BFI bullcrap, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> is that they like a straightforward movie. Yeah. No. Vertigo is oh, straightforward. True. Oh, no, 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 yeah. What? Citizen Kane is straightforward. Dude, no, it's not straightforward. It is non-linear. That's it, what makes it, it good, yeah. Steven. It's non-linear. It's sometimes you know sometimes I mean? you're There's in this part of the, his life, There's, sometimes no, no, you're no. in that part of his I, yeah. life. No, I, They're I, actually I extremely similar movies in, the, in some sort of approach, like some sort of directorial approach to what, to what, you know, how to convey a message or like what a movie should be. No, I There's agree. something very similar. And I, I, I see that not just in the, those two films, but in, what is this? This is called like the Golden Age, I think. Maybe that was the 70s. More like the Dark Ages, bro. No, the Golden Age, Golden Age is 40s and 50s. So this is like, I've noticed this in the Golden Age of films, okay. uh, in American films. They all have this, this feeling to them that to me, I've kind of like for its campiness but it definitely feels different and nope. maybe not as good yeah well no what i find surprising is that the critics like it so much i don't get it yeah well, I, I think i was just gonna say i i um i'm not like the biggest hollywood buff but i am not necessarily attracted to this kind of film for the same like I'm not gonna go seeking out to watch this type of film and a lot of like other American Hollywood films for the same reason that I would go watch like a Bergman or something. Um, that like that campiness is like an important factor for me, and that yeah, I am I am also surprised by like critics' opinions. Well, I think that yeah. with the critics or whatever, I don't know. I I disagree with. I I. I agree that there's parallel, like the a parallel between Kane and this is is just that it's like maybe extra focused on storytelling, but I think Kane is a much more self serious film that is much more much more aware of the medium, or at least not not much more aware, but um like wants to uh I don't know I'm not an expert on Kane. But I wanted to say that, oh, what did I want to say? Oh, just that, I don't know, it's not terribly surprising. I mean, of course the, the critics are gonna love a film about film and all this stuff. And like, they all love Hitchcock and this is like the Hitchcock's autobiography or whatever. Worth noting, I forgot, this is- Yeah, explain, this explain that. Well, he's, he's, he's Scotty. I mean, I think there's a bunch of stuff about I mean, obviously, what we're talking about is nothing. What we've talked about so far all holds up, and like, probably has to do with talking women. 
Yeah, the masculine nature. But he gem. he's also like literally the puppet master and his films are rife with women who have unfortunate ends or are certain ways. Blonde and... women that have unfortunate ends. I don't know if you've seen a lot mm-hmm. of his films, but I was just noting that other all of his women are blonde in like cross cross mm-hmm. films in this one. He loves them. He, he loves them. Yeah, respect. and uh, it it I, I usually don't like I don't know I don't love this type of information, but it's interesting to note that according to Alfred, he only had sex once with his wife, and it was to conceive of their child. Based. So. In in by all accounts, he had a lot of problems with women, and he was like uh, pretty. Yeah, he was he was super ugly too. Yeah, he was super ugly too. Yeah, he's a big uggo. Anyway, so yeah, I think something about like trying to create women and like mold women for some sort of male audience and like some type of like maybe masculine, com- like combatancy there or like, um. Like his, I don't know, something Wait, about him that... molding women in power over them and also like women in his own life as well. Well, yeah, doesn't that, I mean, if we're going to read it as like some kind of autobiography in some sense, like, doesn't that make him, doesn't that make him both um, Scotty as well as the other guy? Or maybe even more the other guy because he's the one that's molding the woman for an audience of Scotty, you know? Well, I, I bet he totally wanted to shmang all his actresses. And didn't, I mean, apparently by his own word, which he didn't say as a joke, the thing about only having sex with his wife once. Yeah. You know, like his wife is probably the midge, you know, and like he like sees that she's the perfect woman and blah, blah, blah. But he just can't help but not follow the fantasy of these actresses and models and not even just the actresses and models, but like the characters he creates or something like this. I don't know. This is like pure conjecture. but. Mm-hmm. Projection. Also, if I could wait, Stephen, you were nodding. You were, you were, you were, you were giving me the big daddy no when I was saying earlier about Kane and Vertigo or whatever. Did you have some? Oh no, I just wanted to mention. I mean, they're well, in the sense that they're both autobiographical. There's something to them. Yeah. Um, but also, the twist ending. Although Hitchcock's known for it, there is some sort of like cliche, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Well, right at right at the end, you know, oh she dies, or like oh I don't know, it's uh, I don't, I suppose it's not a twist because we're led to believe that something wrong like is going to go wrong, and so he might kill her. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's not a twist. I suppose the twist is that she still dies or something. He doesn't kill her or something. Oh yeah, oh no, it's it's it's, it's oh here's the way they're connected. I mean, their attention to the gaze and perspective. So and and the. The idea that, you know, the way they tell their stories is similar in that information is withheld for these, like, crazy uh, moments. So, like, for Scotty, it's, uh, you know, it's it's the information that we as the viewer know that uh, yada, 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 you know, uh, Judy is actually Madeline or whatever. Um, and then Scotty has this epiphany or something. And again, in Citizen Kane uh we instead we have the epiphany when when he mentions oh i don't want to spoil has everybody here seen it i've seen it yeah yeah okay uh when he mentions uh rosebud and like you know the audience like goes oh you know ideally they go oh shit that was what it was you know (laughs) and so in the same sense that uh 
it, it's not it's not of course a good story has moments like those a lot of the times not always you can craft a good story without them mm-hmm. but a lot of stories have those sorts of moments these are extremely heavy-handed and not subtle to me at all um yeah. and you know that's okay i mean they're still both very good movies but there's just something similar about how on the nose they are mm-hmm. uh yeah I mean, just on the nose is a good term to use anyways. Like, yeah. well, I guess maybe that's what I meant by, instead of straightforward, it's like every single moment throughout Vertigo, you're like, oh, God, all right, yeah, we're watching. Yes, yes, what about Freud? Yes, yes. Like, you're just yeah. thinking, oh, okay, yes, yes, trauma, yes. And when you're watching Citizen Kane, uh, I'd say it's a little more subtle, but there is some, you know, capital, you know, capital and and life and, and you know, it's just an extremely... um social and material problem or something like that uh on, but put on the nose versus vertigo is more like psychic but also social mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know i don't know i don't no, know if this is making sense i agree with the on the nose claim i wouldn't say like the critics in general but i know what you're yeah. saying because they but just that those two would oscillate yeah number one i don't know if parable is the right word but i've said it a couple of times like it just seems yeah. sort of parable-esque where it's like um yeah it's just everything is really on the nose but yet it can still like draw a pretty good picture, you know, of yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I used to have a much more like negative attitude towards like Citizen Kane or Vertigo. It's like, oh, everyone just likes them because it, it was they were big in their time. They were important for the history of cinema or whatever. The one where I think they're actually super good, but. Um, I don't know. I'm just sort of bad blabbering. Well, I think I think I mean if we were to continue to compare Citizen Kane and Vertigo, I feel like Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane, like for me, anyways, I felt that it had a lot more like breadth and depth and like interest for me in each scene. You know, like I felt there was more content to be had, like not necessarily on this like large scale of like oh it was rosebud all the whole time or whatever you know um if that makes any sense whereas like vertigo i don't know it it i don't know it, it seems to like primarily lend itself to some kind of analytic model that's like wow this is so brilliant that this all falls into place you know where citizen kane yeah. does do that but not but i don't know i i felt it had more more content i i I do want to say a different similarity i agree with what you said but a different similarity is that uh you know both both are architectured in such a way that the a character is going to interact and like maneuver through the world and like uh not be confined to their immediate social surroundings for instance uh, you have the interviewer who's setting out to discover what Rosebud meant, you know? So, like, that's our that's the character who's going to go investigate and talk to all these different characters, and so we're going to launch into all these accounts and stuff. And in Vertigo, um, we have uh, Scotty, who's this noir situation. He's going to interact with the bookkeeper, the dude who's uh, the shipyard guy, you know? He's got his... And then he's got his own family with Mitch and all this. And so, like, we we still have this, like... If you can, if you contrast it with something like a more or even piano teacher, like like piano teacher, uh, like 
there's a lot of movies in which, you know, characters are introduced and so a plot will be built. I mean, you're going to have lots of characters, but the but the but the outset, the characters the story isn't architectured such that the character's just going to get to confront lots of different threads, you know? Instead, they're going to pursue a thread or something like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that's a similarity or something. It's like a noir. It's a, I think that's a trait of noir. And, like, you know, Citizen Kane is aware of that because, you know, noirs were popular at the time. Mm -hmm. When just, like, American cinema and, like, it's way more on display today is, like, just filled with like the mythos but like the myth like like um like a mythical view of the world of conquering and going through the world and this sort of grand narrative whereas like these other films are like super focused on like inner lives and like very like people in small frames and and like uh just like overcoming themselves versus the world and stuff and like i think vertigo is like a good right undercover film like that but it doesn't actually um have the tone of it which is i think what yeah. i was talking about earlier like what i really like yeah what i really like yeah. is that tone where i feel emotionally close to the characters or yeah. like emotionally invested whereas here i feel like i'm watching someone else uh and like uh just the music but yeah but i, I think there's something another like just these, these these yeah just these moving through the world i mean just like a hero's journey it's just like a hero's the, the various hero journey stories they're sometimes undermined and sometimes just played up to a thousand like you know avengers or whatever but like uh these they're they're yeah i'm with you yeah and, and i think i think like um here i mean i don't know i think that there's things that are uh structural like narrative wise with this film that take it away from from that kind of more like human cinema or something like that um I don't, I don't know exactly what you want to call it but um but i think it's also i mean it, it's also in like performance because in dialogue and and yeah. in, in in presentation because you can imagine a film with the exact same structure except where the each scene doesn't play out as a piece of this grander like interconnecting web of something that's going to be super satisfying at the end you know like but you have like these more kind of uh realistic feeling scenes and like more kind of uh relatable problems between like the characters that still end in the same like way but i think i think that that is where the film like falls short for me is that it does not do that well it does not like make me believe or care about like the the very like the immediate moment it doesn't make me relate to them like as you're saying troy like you're you're just yeah. watching it play out why well, relate yeah i relate yeah you don't i feel like i don't relate to the characters necessarily but i relate to the film and i relate to the film like after the fact yeah yeah like like you can you can look back I mean, at like, the film yeah. and go you can which is i mean yeah that goes right into what you're saying about it being like allegorical or like a parable or something like that is yeah. where like you can look at it and go like oh wow i understand and see this situation or whatever yeah, is something that i can whatever yeah, yeah i can see this as something that can apply to like my life or something like that but it's not or not necessarily my life but you know like 
it could be applied elsewhere, but it's not to the world. Yeah, the world, but doesn't <laughs> doesn't have to the to the nature of things. Sorry. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't have like this. Uh, it, it feels exhaustible. Um. Yeah. And I think that yeah, like what I was trying to what I was trying to articulate before, I think is the reason why because it's missing that is why it feels very exhaustible. It like it feels like it can be picked apart and like understood or something like that. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it can be picked apart. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a good phrase. And Hitchcock, everything of everything just this whole persona is like this, oh, I'm the mastermind puppet master, come pick me apart. Look at all the brilliance yeah, come, I've laid out. Come you know? and find but me. But it's like very much come him, catch right? Me. Yeah, come catch me, you know. The audience shout doesn't out, get that shout reference out, yet. Shout out. Shout out, Jack. Um, shout out. Come? Wait, who, who said come? Um, audience doesn't get that reference yet. But yeah, like a come and catch me thing. But it very much is, or it feels like Hitchcock is there to be discovered. As opposed to like maybe one of these other films where it's like you're trying to discover life itself or something like uh, very mysterious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I almost feel bad because I feel like, and for these things extend past Hitchcock, but a lot of these films in this era, like I feel like they should be thought of like categorically as different than the rest of cinema. Um, because they, because they feel so different. Yeah. Uh, at least to me. I, and personally, I've d- kind of developed a taste for this era and i like it for what it is but understanding that it isn't fine dining it still is what it is yeah i mean i think that in general um i mean film film is pretty diverse like I don't know i mean i mean it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to like like even conceive of movies as being like a single category in general um and like critiquing them based on like comparing uh like a bergman or a hanukkah to like a golden age hollywood film um yeah yeah because i i mean i don't yeah i don't i don't watch i don't watch these films and like scoff and go like this is not real cinema or something like that like yeah like you watch the film and i mean there's lots of reasons why why I like this sort of film as well. And there but, there is but, and I believe there's a place for things that are more on the nose and uh kind of come catch me. Well, that's why the the ranking system is weird, but I think the I think the the idea of giving them a star system still makes sense uh, compared to other stars, like compared to other movies outside of this category we're talking about because ultimately they do still have to hit. Like they're still competing like the same way like a you know, you might give a fast, you might give, I don't know, cliche item, like an In-N-Out burger, you might give it a five or something like that, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And then, and then, but you can, but you'd also give like, you know, a great steak of five because they both right. hit. They're just obvious. You just know that they're different and trying yeah. to accomplish different yeah. things, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's why, that's but why, ulti- that's why I brought up fast food at the very but, beginning. But, but ultimately, the, but I'm in defense of them still being compared to each other because ultimately what you're measuring by this star scale or whatever is how much did they how much did they hit yeah. you know how much yeah. how much did it 
how much how much how juice did you get yeah. even if it's campy and of a different genre like it still has to hit you. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, okay. it's got to give you that super special mystery feeling that only art gives. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe I'm wrong. I Juiced, think, I think, I think there's, a there's, a, there is a way of comparing them though that I think is not fair though. Yeah, it's called the one out of five. But I don't. But but I agree. I agree <laughs> with the 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 general point though. Um, I know I'm struggling to kind of articulate what exactly that. That would be well, I mean, I, it makes sense. So, like, if, if your star system is truly supposed to indicate, like, the BFI list, like, the number one movie, then things get tricky because, like, if the criteria, if you're if you're judging, like, is this the greatest piece of food I've ever eaten and is, like, conceivable, basically? <laughs> like, if, if that's what, if that's what, like, if that's what a five is or if that's what, like, the highest score, you know, if that's what, if that's, like, the prototypical highest, you know, mm-hmm. then, like... I think it all like falls apart because I think like there is this like necessity for category or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm in defense of comparing steak to burger, you know, okay. or whatever, like steak yeah, to fast food, in, you know? Yeah. I think I'm it's fair board. to compare. I definitely think it's fair to compare. I mean, imagine, yeah, going, like eating some delectable item from like the, you know, 600 BC, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's what, like this whole podcast is for us to, to give the nuanced take on look, Given everything, you know, let's talk about the 600 BC food, right? It's got this, and I think this was really impressive. They didn't, right? And then at the end, you give the score. We're like, I'd rather have a McDonald's cheeseburger. You know, <laughs> give me that MSG because that's what hits. Right. That's what hits right. on my mouth, right? Yeah, that's right. What, that's okay. what hits. All right, all right, all right. And it, right, obviously, you know, people, you can have personal taste, right? You'd be like, well, I've developed, I've developed. Oh my gosh, uh, I tried to do an accent a little bit. <laughs> I got oh just how mama just how mama used to make it. <laughs> Bro, anyway, I don't you even know, know what accent you're trying to like do. Just how mama something or you just Just how mama likes it. I don't know. Anyway, just how yeah, mama yeah, likes it. The implication yeah. is not look, that the, the the five out of five food is some fine dining or whatever is Brody's right, referring to, but right. just that, and not that you were in this analogy at the time, but yeah, right. It's got to hit. <laughs> blah blah blah. It's, it's got to hit. hit. It's, it's got to get it's a special hit. warm feeling like, inside. At, if it, the film point, doesn't make you panic, if the film doesn't make you sweaty oh, and be feel afraid for your life. It's not good art. It's bad. Yeah, but it's not yeah, real. But it's fake. Like it's music. not real. It's Only not real. Only real things scare Only you. Only real you things. Like, you still don't like music. You want to be manipulated and be being scared, but you don't want to be manipulated with by music. No, the mu- what are you talking about? If that if you think that was a real point, that is just the ravings of a madman. I am. This is just someone well, off I'm, the hinges. I'm not making a real point. Only half so. Okay, well, wait, wait, you can't qualify. You can't, and you can't apply it to Vertigo because Vertigo is like, you know, this like uh, Hollywood film in disguise or a non Hollywood film in disguise. <laughs> well, it's like clearly uh, making like it's all sorts of meta Hollywood stuff. Yeah, but it still does things that are Hollywood yeah. that make yeah, it Yeah, it still, it still commits felony cringe. Yeah. With the music. Yeah. I mean, with, with the jaw, music my, in the. My in jaw the, disappears. <laughs> I like the Steven's part where doing she a jumped. yeah for the viewers at home, for the listeners at home, not viewers. Uh, well, Steven is now doing funny faces on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I like the. Part I wish you could see this. 
I like the part where she jumps into the San Francisco. Oh, dude, that water looked awesome. And that water, I'm almost positive I've seen that water in Universal Studios. I've seen that exact water. Okay, that's a, that's a I believe it. Like, I believe is it, it like bottled or something? Yeah, yeah they, they sell <laughs> it. You can drink the water that this blonde woman jumped in. Yes. I'm more, I'm, more interested, I'm more interested in James Stewart's When's Bella water. Delphine going to act? Yeah. When are we going to get some ocean <laughs> water? Some bottled <laughs> ocean water. My eyes disappear. <laughs> okay. All right, are we falling apart right. here? Yeah, Where'd they go? Where'd they All go? Right. Where are they? I can't. My eyes, where are they? <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, I can't <laughs> see anything. <laughs> okay, uh, Brody, actually, it was shot on Paramount Studios in Hollywood. Oh, big L. Big oh. cringe. Yeah, commit big cringe. <laughs> Tier one big cringe. cringe. Commit By the way, cringe. Live, live amendment. Um, Troy had uh-huh. mentioned at the beginning that he believes that Hitchcock. Hitchikake. Uh, the... <laughs> might have been the writer. He wasn't. He wasn't. I amended According it first. To, uh, oh, you did? No, well, you just did. Now, just, just now. Just now. Just <laughs> now. I was going to say that according to IMDb, just to be sure, just in case mm-hmm. people got actually some higher tier mm-hmm. information than us. Mm-hmm. But I'm just. I'm just speaking from IMDb here. Well, I'll tell you, Hitchcock was the Avengers before there was the Avengers. His, I think, you know, he like made all his movies like beforehand, you know, and okay. then like gave like no freedom to anyone. Is the Wait story or whatever? Wait a second. I want to say you mentioned something blown up. Look, can we all just agree that the Avengers actually? Oh, I should pull back. We should agree that the uh, the Avengers are many of them are not heroes' journeys, and that's one reason there's an extreme problem with them. I think the new ones, like. I feel like that might be. Uh, what do you mean, think, not heroes' journeys? I feel like all the classic characters, in their own story, they're literally heroes <laughs> on journeys. So, like, ideally, right? You know, we think of the original Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I mean, obviously, heroes. Spider-Man, journey. Hulk, Iron Man. Uh, right. Um, I think that the newer. So when we say newer ones, we mean like the last decade. You grandpa. Well, I don't know. Well, what, what, who, <laughs> Grandpa? Okay, what are you talking okay. about? Unless you're going to reference some like obscure, literal comic character I've never heard of. No, I think well, every, who, sing- who, every, yeah, every single, every single one of these like Civil War, uh, yeah. like uh, these like this like um, Captain uh, America. You saying? Yeah, the Civil War one. Yeah, uh, like any any time there's like this clashing of several different characters into one. Yeah, it kind of ruins it. And oh yeah, those not, are and, not. Yeah, and and when they've already when you've already seen their original pilot movie, so their pilot movie is usually a hero's journey. But yeah. then, but then everything afterwards is no longer a hero's journey. Okay. Yeah, and that's Maybe. why they're just like a. There's just a why they're like a clusterfuck and like why they're like pretty boring. Yeah, but uh, they, something like that. but they all still have the same plot. It's like there's a bad guy and now we got to go to this location and fight people over here and then fight people yeah, over here yeah, and then right. we get some regroup, secret and then regroup, we regroup yeah. and then mm-hmm. there's some kind of internal conflict and then we solve it and then we all come together after we find some secret thing that was secret and then we defeat bad guy and that's and hey, this is like all stories? that huh 
what so like what are like what what's the what's the structure i mean i get that you're it is the it is the avengers archetype they invented is it you think they, they invented invent- it no i'm just there's kidding. no way oh no no no, 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 no yeah, yeah. but no. if it's not hero's journey then what like what is it like what is it what umbrella oh, i mean it's it's it i mean like just like transformers porn or something no no in some ways you could say it's propaganda but it's obviously not because it doesn't seem like there's an obvious ideology they're putting forward but that is like the framework of a propaganda movie like a propaganda movie has this like problem. We, we, you know, like especially this internal conflict, we have this internal conflict or whatever. It's like not, a, mm-hmm. oh no, we can't do, we solve it. We realize the true threat is over there. And then we all rally together as friends and beat the true threat that is this. Mm-hmm. And that is a very propaganda nationalistic idea. And I'm not saying yeah. that Avengers is propaganda, well, but like, hmm, that's, I watched that's something this movie that called Captain America where this guy named Captain America saves the day. I, I can't figure out what the ideology is, but it feels like some kind of... <laughs> yeah. well, I'm just kidding. No, the real yeah, well, propaganda yeah. is trying to convince you that life is good. So wrong. What? Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah. Did you guys want to do scores? Dude, you are the worst. <laughs> at first I was confused about your thing, but I realized you weren't saying it to me. The viewers at home, for the, for the listeners at home who are just now recovering from their insane fit of laughter that I caused with my good joke, uh-huh. uh, Stephen, Stephen sabotaged my joke by ensuring no one laughed. Everyone was I actually muted all the laughters in post. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. one was laughing. I thought it was just I wanted to see how long we could drag out the silence. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't to stop the laughter, it was just Real to see, see how long Look. we could do it. That's, I made a good the first joke was good. I think we should do scores. Let's do scores. I think it's scores time. All right. Vertigo. Propaganda. Makes me dizzy just thinking about it. There you go. Now that's a joke. <laughs> that's funny. Now that's, now that's comedy, baby. Now that's funny. No, that no that, there, yeah, now that one it. hit. Yeah, now there's there that's that's topical too. That's a joke they'd make in this movie. And they'd probably throw in a laugh track too, and Brody would love it. Yeah, because yeah. he's developed a campy taste a for yeah, laugh track. Brody loves Birdie, Birdie. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get it. Birdie wants Do-do. the movie to, to to make the music and feel for him, and it would even just be better if the movie would laugh for him too. Yes. Look, let's just we gotta make a movie where we just employ a laugh track totally unironically, like we. Like yeah. diegetic laugh. How about diet? Yeah, yeah. diegetic laugh. Yeah. Diegetic laugh. We should we should do we should do one of these podcasts where we insert yeah laugh tracks. Yeah, but well, it's not. God. But you we have do to do it. Yeah, you put one right here. <laughs> yeah, is, there <laughs> is, is there a stock? Okay, is there a score? stock? Did I do okay, it? Scores. Oh, scores. Yeah. Who knows? Scores. I feel cursed, and this is similar to one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that one? It's by the Kurosawa Burns. guy. I hated it, John. What is it? Oh, Rashomon. Yeah, what because a... you're because you're dumb. No, what a stupid movie. I watched it, hated it, and I felt like I had to like treat it differently wow, because it's that... Rashomon. Anyway, Vertigo. Wow. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Whoa. 
Was this Rashomon it, thing a total gonna, non sequitur? Like you just wanted no, to... No, no. Because what four means to me is now almost different. Because it means something different now when it's like, oh, we've got to see Vertigo. Because on one hand, I want to say, yeah, of course you've got to see Vertigo. It's like this, you know, historically important, big, you know, oh, like okay. one of I the understand. pillars of uh, Hollywood cinema, right? Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just making note that uh, did it hit? I'm I'm treating it on <laughs> its true merits. Score. Yeah, like, I'm giving it true score, merits. Dude. Did it hit? Am I juiced up? How ju- what's my juice bar? Why do you keep saying uh, juice? Yeah, stop using the word juice. Steven juice Steven bar. used it first. Juice bar. We're gonna get flooded. Anyway, it filled it filled my juice bar. It filled my pina colada cup up three point five out of. 3.5 out of 5 of the yeah. way there. So yeah, brim. your pina colada cup yeah. is five big. Just spilling. To yeah. Spilling. <laughs> and, and the, and the 3.5. Five fluid juices. <laughs> five, five. No, stop saying it. Okay. No. Um, yeah, this movie was cool. I liked it. It did not hit. It did not pack a punch. It did not It did not floor me. It did not make me scared of dying. It did not, it did not bring me closer to life. <laughs> Yo, wait, pack a punch? Look. Pack a punch. Um um, yeah, so we're gonna give it we're gonna give it a three we're gonna give it like a three point we're gonna give it like a three point two, one, three point one. I'm still in the lead. Three point one. Three point one. That's what I'm sticking with. Three point one. This movie was Dees. Nice. These ligma, Nick. These ligma. These. Uh, yeah, this movie. movie was okay. Like, look, this movie. movie. Was, this movie was decent, as uh, John so eloquently put. Decent nuts. This movie sucked nuts. To be specific. Just kidding. It was fine. It was okay. Overall, I would give it. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh. I'm tempted to t- to steal. Uh, Troy's score. And I'm gonna. 3.5. Epic. We're tied for the lead. Here at Cinematographologically Speaking, we are not influenced. We are not willing to say that this is the greatest movie ever made. Despite the entire <laughs> world. We just want, I mean, the we entire just world. <laughs> the entire world against us. <laughs> We we are leading the charge for free thought, free thinkers, free score, free speech, free, free speech, free, free speech. Free, you Wait, have you guys heard what's going on at college score. campuses right now? Three point two, three point two. The people, they're being forced all right, all right. to say that they like <laughs> yeah. Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, all this cancel culture. They're they're ruining the career of anyone who doesn't like but Vertigo. You, but if you if you are on our Patreon, you can. You can help overcome this problem. Yeah, overcome Look, if, you, if you don't, if you don't you, love Vertigo like us, the, as, in, <laughs> as in similar to us, is because we don't love it. But we think it's okay. If you think it's Dece, but not yeah, the greatest if you think Dece, consider supporting us on Patreon. BFI is running a tyrannical yeah. psyop against all uh-huh. free thinkers in the film world. <laughs> yeah. And they're making everyone think that this, that Alfred, history. Alfred history. Hitchcock, <laughs> Is some kind of some some kind of genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah all the but money, we picked him apart. That's more than us. All the money you give us goes oh, towards non-violently destroying BFI. <laughs> okay. Just non, keyword non-violently 
Maybe it happens in Minecraft or something, but yeah, we we're gonna grief uh, the we're gonna BFI, make a BFI pillar and then we're gonna blow yeah. it up with TNT. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and fill it with skeletons and like cows and stuff. It will not resemble and the then gunpowder plot. Alfred, and it's gonna be filled with chickens, and every chicken is gonna be the top one hundred list of films. Yeah, we're gonna have a signpost right behind him, and it's Begun? gonna be like Vertigo. Yeah, and we're gonna kill him. One by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> And we'll get it on film, and when it, when all the chickens explode, it'll go bugak in yeah. Minecraft. Al, no, Alfred Minecraft. Hitch bugak. Look, Alfred Hitchcock. He said, "Come and find me," and I found him, and I'm yeah. not oh, yeah. impressed. I found him. This was not. Yeah, I found him. Was a fat pig rolling around and eating slop. No, I found no, him because he was hiding behind eat. something, and there, he couldn't fit behind it. He no. just eats slop, and he makes slop. Hitchcock. <laughs> Hitchcock is shit. Hitchcock is shit. I hate him. I hope he. I hope he dies. Yeah, I hope he dies. <laughs> oh man. I hope he dies. Nah, just kidding. Psycho is okay. Yeah, I hope he's okay right now. Yeah, I like Rear Window. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Wait, he's not dead, right? <laughs> Wait. I think I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna end it at. He was okay. No, 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 no. We'll just say goodbye. Okay. Bye. Yeah, we still have to do bye. Thanks for sticking bye. around. Like your finger, like underneath your fingernail smells way different than like the rest of your finger.